probably Britain's greatest Star Wars podcast. You're listening to Star Wars Sessions with Matt Hudson and Luke Bly. This is where the fun begins. Good morning, afternoon or evening, wherever you are in the galaxy, and welcome to Star Wars Sessions. Come for the Star Wars, stay for the Sessions. My name is Matt Hudson, a.k.a. Jabba the Hud, and joining me, as ever, in the cockpit of the Essex Falcon is the greatest Star Wars man, fan and buddy out there. He's a dude who was there racing against the Chosen One himself. In the Boonter Eve classic, though he did perish, it's Rats Bly Rail. Oh, oh, oh my days. <laughs> On point, though. Just, just when you thought there weren't any more Bly puns left, he pulls it out the bag, you naughty boy. And once again, it is on topic. How on earth are you, Matt Jibber Jabber Hudson? I'm doing very well. Glad to be back in the uh, in the seat of you this week. Uh, I, I say we have a week off, but I mean last week we dropped three three extra episodes. One of them we were at the BBC, so it's kind of it wasn't a week off, but it was great though. So I'm glad to be back talking movie, my man. Nice weekend. Um, yeah, I'm I'm really excited for tonight's episode, and I know the people out there listening, you guys have been excited for this one as well. But enough about me. Let's talk about the man with the golden hair. How are you doing, man? Yes, mate, I'm good. I've been touring some friends uh, visiting from the States around the UK, which has been fun. They're on their way home now. Um, and yeah, it, it's just been it's just been banter. But yeah, mate, last week, three Star Wars sessions extra um, coming out. Like people were like, where's the Star Wars sessions episodes gone? Mate, have three of them. They get more when we don't do a show. <laughs> I know, I know. I know. What about that Caravan of Courage, though, huh? Like, that was so much fun. That was sweet. I'm looking forward to going back to Paveley Amadola's um, lair, cracking open a cold one and watching some Mando, man. Paveley Amadola. Yeah, no, <laughs> shout out to Matt Paveley again. And thank you for letting us into your awesome geekdom uh, temple of geekdom in your caravan of courage if you guys haven't listened to that star wars sessions extra episode go give it a listen it's really really good fun yeah. um but yeah mate it, it, we, we've got a naughty one this week haven't we but um first first of all i think i think there might be a news round should we find out let's do it Disney have released a digital version of The Rise of Skywalker early amidst the coronavirus outbreak. Anthony Daniels says C-3PO story is not over. The first arc of The Clone Wars Season 7, The Bad Batch, has now concluded. So that was the new news. Let's get into some old news, but it isn't bad news. It's good news. This is something I've been <laughs> so excited to talk about. Lukey Bly outside of a pub in Chelmsford last week after having a really naff beer. Those who are on our patrons will know all about that. Oh, bro. Brought up this idea. And as soon as I saw it, I thought, like, we've got to do this. This week, we are talking, uh, we were asking the question, was the Phantom Menace always destined to, quote unquote, fail? You know, given everything that surrounded it, 16 years since a since Return of the Jedi, the fan hype, you know, it was the most anticipated film of all time. Was there any way it could have lived up to 
everybody's mm. expectations or just expectations in general. So this is something which gave me the chance to go back and relive some of the some of the nostalgia which was linked to this film. And I know a lot of other people have the same. This film means a lot to many people for different reasons. So it was really sweet, really cool to go back and just research into the film. But the question itself is, it's an interesting one. And so, uh, so let's kick it off. I mean, this was Luke's idea. Where did this idea come from, mate? Um, to, to, to clarify, right. We've used the wording, uh, fail or failure, but failure you know, is used obviously in, in a lot of negative ways, but that doesn't necessarily mean that we dislike the Phantom Menace, mm. right? So straight up from the get-go, I just want to say I love the Phantom Menace in its own, for its own like thing. Uh, in, its, in, in my own way, I love the Phantom Menace, right? And that's, that's for many reasons. And um, Matty Boy, you know, like our first episode ever, oh. ever <laughs> on this podcast... You know, we start at, we start off talking about the Phantom Menace, and you know, I I do have very very fond memories for that film, and actually, that film in 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 some aspects stands up to this day. It's nearly two years since that first show. Oh, it's almost two years to the day, actually, without uh, looking at the fi- in the figures. But it literally is two years to the day since we actually spoke about the Phantom Menace, and. Whilst we'll be speaking about the film today, we're not going to be reviewing it per se. What Lucas just said pretty much sums up my feelings on the film. I I love The Phantom Menace for a multitude of reasons. I'm also very quick to realise that it's not a perfect film. There's many things that aren't wrong that aren't right with it, but it's a Star Wars film. It's a lot of fun. I enjoy every time I watch it, I get a kick out of it. So um, we're not going to sit here and trash on the film. That's not what we're all about. But do go and check out that first show. See the evolution of the sessions from episode one in 2018 i think it was to uh, yeah. episode 55 now that you're listening to 54 shows like yeah go check that out but yeah it's, it it means a lot to a lot of people like we're saying we're not sitting here saying the film is a failure it's just a t- the term you know was it ever going to succeed like everybody thought was it ever going to live up to the expectations so um yeah exactly man let's crack on man because 1999 yeah 16 years after return of the jedi it was it's a different world we're living wasn't it nowadays yeah. Uh, we've got we've got social media everywhere. The internet is a big presence, and geek culture is in the mainstream anyway bigger than it's ever been. So I, I, I tried to put myself in the nineteen ninety nine back there again because um, in ninety nine I was thirteen, I think I was. Um, I had to try and think about that one. So I was trying to think what would, what, what would it have been like for a like twenty five year old me, for example, or however old I am now, to be in nineteen ninety nine. How would I have felt? And I wanted to ask you that. What do you you know? But put yourself in 1999, the night before the film comes out. How would you be feeling if you'd been waiting for this film for 16 years? I'd be like, I'd be nervous and anxious and excited and optimistic. All of those. Basically, how I felt about The Rise of Skywalker. Um, But, you know, this was different. This was different because it looked really different, you know, so... And like like you said, I was I was super little when um when Menace came out. I was mm. four. I was four <laughs> five actually five in by the time it came to the UK. Still had great hair. Um, so oh, I don't know about that. <laughs> um, but yeah, I I think it definitely helps being younger. You look at everything through rose tinted glasses, mm-hmm. but also the internet weren't as big. Twitter 
didn't exist. Instagram didn't exist. You know, you could kind of get away with having your own opinion and just like kind of like no, no one would judge you for it. Um, so, and I mean, obviously that always kind of exists to uh, some extent. Mm-hmm. Um, but no, I, I think I would be mostly excited because the the, the trailer um, for The Phantom Menace. Now, I, I the thing is, I don't remember seeing that. I do. You do? So I, I don't. I, I just remember when the film came out and like the toys and everyone going crazy about that and, and maybe seeing it on TV as well. But again, the stuff that sticks in my head is more like the food commercials and stuff, not yes. the actual trailer. And we'll, we'll get like uh, to that later. Um, we, we have some sweet stuff to talk about this episode. <laughs> we mate, do. Sweet stuff. And savoury. <laughs> and savoury, mate. And savoury. <laughs> Yeah, man. I remember watching the trailer because I would. Um, I, I I don't know what the film was now. It was, this was too long for me to remember. Twenty one years ago, I remember seeing it on at the cinema, and it was like wow, because I and I I watched the trailer again uh, in preparation for this episode, and the trailer itself is magnificent. It really is a quality trailer. In today's terms, does it give quite a lot away? In hindsight, yes, you see more with the double ended saber uh, and whatnot, and it's about two and a half, three minutes long of fairly quick cut shots so they get as much in as they can. But you know what? It actually doesn't give a... The tone of the trailer is very different to the tone of the film. The tone of the trailer is quite mm. sombre. It's not quite as upbeat and fun and, dare I say, kind of like kid-orientated as the film was. The trailer mm. actually tells mm-hmm. a different story. So I can see why people were travelling hours and hours and, and spending 15, 20 bucks to get uh, a cinema ticket to go and see Meet Joe Black just to see this trailer. And then leave because the trailer itself was great. And people were uh, using their 56.6 KB modem to download this trailer overnight so they could watch wow. it with their friends the next morning. Because back in those days, it took a long time to download anything that was two minutes long that was video. Um, so the people were spending like hours and hours of their lives waiting for this to download, driving hours of their lives, spending money just to watch a two minute trailer. I mean, this caught on. I mean, I can see why, but the trailer itself, I think, was magnificent. And I know a lot of people nowadays still still agree with that. You know, every generation has a legend when that comes up. And, of course, The Rise of Skywalker kind of mirrored that with um, every every generation has an ending, which I loved that um, sort of bookending yeah. of the saga. But, man, when when that trailer came out, I mean, I didn't have the excitement I would do now. For example, when The Force Awakens came out, that blew my mind, of course, because I was older uh, and it was, and it was just different then. But yes. I remember seeing it in cinemas. I remember that. But like you, I remember seeing all of the, the adverts. I remember seeing the posters on the on bus stops, on billboards, on the actual buses themselves, on magazine covers. It was everywhere. Yeah, it, may, it, it, it was all over the place. The, the hype was, was crazy. And it, for me, again, it, I think it shows what the, the, the power behind the brand and the power behind Star Wars it just goes to show how effective that is when it comes to the marketing. Yeah. Right. Because you, you put the star Wars logo on stuff and you can put a, like, like a twist on it on, on almost anything and, they do. and make it star Warsy. Do you know what I mean? Like, which is crazy. <laughs> it's crazy to think, but my little five-year-old brain like took that in. Do you know what I mean? It, yeah, yeah, it, no. it remembered that, you know, so, it you know, it, it must have worked. And people 
you know, I, and and you have to take more of Matt's word than than mine. Um, but just historically speaking, this this film was all over the place. It was all over the place. This was, dare I say, the most anticipated film of all time mm-hmm. at its at its time at its time of release. Right? It was the most anticipated film ever. Yep. Ever. So that begs the question: Was it? going to meet everybody's expectation this is the million dollar question isn't it and this is it and this is it and i think the marketing is an interesting spin on this story mate because mm-hmm. when something is everywhere whether you like it or not you're gonna take it in i remember you and, and I, here's a little analogy yeah Brooklyn Nine-Nine, one of my favorite TV shows, like one of my favorite American kind of sitcom shows. The the only reason I decided to sit down and watch that on Netflix or E4, I think, on the time, some channel here in the UK, was because I kept seeing the Brooklyn Nine-Nine advert on buses. And I was getting buses a lot at that time. For whatever reason, I was getting a lot of buses into town. And... There was the Brooklyn Nine Nine poster, like there you go on the bus, and it just, it just, I kept seeing it, I kept seeing it, I kept seeing it, and I got it in my head, and I thought to myself, do you know what? I'm going to try this now. Listen, mate, this ain't a marketing podcast. I don't know how those wizards do that, <laughs> um, but it worked. But it worked. So imagine that times a billion, and that's the Phantom Menaces marketing campaign, right? Yeah. No, you're right. The I remember one part as well which I still think is magnificent. And I've said that word, I really do think marketing, the poster that came out for the Phantom Menace of Little Annie with his, with the shadow mm, of Vader oh, on the homestead. That is a disgustingly brilliant. good marketing. Brilliant. It's brilliant. like the foreshadowing and that got people excited. Even now I look at it, I think, you know, it, it sounds so simple. Oh, look, the kid, this is a young Anakin. That's what it grows up to become. But somebody came up with that and that they uh, and they've done they've created it so perfectly and that is the perfect way to market this film and everything you've just said is true though it was everywhere this poster was everywhere the trailer was on the television the the, the adverts like we said the magazines the bus stops blah blah that gets into your psyche to the point where yeah. you almost get yourself worked up into like this fever pitch excitement because yes. you're so excited to see what the fuss is all about even if you aren't a fan and one thing I would have loved to have found out um, is what did the the casual fan or the non fans, you know, did they get swept up in this, up in this at all? Because all of my all of the research and the everything I've done into this was kind of like uber fans of the time. But uh, from what I saw of the non fans, there are lots of people who are excited and getting swept up. But I wanted yes. to know what they thought about it. But yeah, man, this was everywhere, and eventually it 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 takes its toll on you to the point where. You build it up in your mind. And let's face it, Star Wars fans aren't known for building up stories in their mind only to be disappointed. You know, we're a rational bunch, I'd like to think. <laughs> but yeah, you're, you're right, mate. And, and the, the point is, is that you're, you're, you're right, I think, where, where the general film goer is concerned. You know, lots mm-hmm. of people did come out and watch this film. Yeah. Lots and lots and lots of people did come out and see that film. $1.027 billion worth of people. Which at the time was the second biggest film of all time. Is that right? Yes, it was half of what Titanic made, which is a surprise, actually. Well, I mean, Titanic's still one of the biggest films of all time to this day. Do you know what I mean? Uh, Phantom Menace is is in the billion-dollar club. It's like I think it's in the top 20 
I could be wrong. Yeah, um, Being the top twenty-five at least, yeah, I think top thirty, it. top twenty-five. Uh, whatever, it's getting edged out now, isn't it? Like that's how you know things are changing. Um, yes. But yeah, no, the, what we're trying to say is, guys, this is a big deal a really big deal mm-hmm. um but we thought we'd bring in some like spice to the podcast you know we love our kessel spice our aromat and ting that's something about tonight oh mate and it mate dude um talk talking of food yeah should we talk about some i mean we talk about marketing let's talk about some genius marketing if you can call it that it worked for us, and we still remember it. So, um, should we? Should, oh, I, I think I can hear an, an audio clip coming. Should we try that? Oh, yes, mate. What happens when the force of Star Wars Episode One meets the irresistible taste of Lay's potato chips? Test your power to resist in the Lay's Star Wars Can You Resist game. You could win thousands of Star Wars prizes or the $100,000 grand prize. Look for game cards inside specially marked bags and Lay's chips. Somewhere in the universe, the ultimate evil stirs. But three legendary heroes have come together and will lead the battle to save the galaxy from the menace of the dark side. Right after lunch. Play Defeat the Dark Side. Collect cool Star Wars game medallions and you could win cash prizes, even a million dollars. Only at Taco Bell, KFC and Pizza Hut. Bosh, Lay's, KFC, Pizza Hut, Taco Bell. You may have heard of them. That was just a couple of the adverts we found. We found so many on there which we remembered. And you know what? We could have probably done an entire podcast on just the television adverts. And there are a couple Mate. we picked out. I mean, the Lay's one competition uh win this all of sitting around the fact the menace kfc one with that kind of team up oh, i love that advert man yeah mate i i love all of that stuff because i think i think the british one was literally the like with the lays advert it was literally just a british guy narrating it instead yeah. and it said walkers because Walk- <laughs> like, like wa- lays are called walkers in the uk so right. yeah have a cheeky google of that americans uh, you know um, that's that's one thing uh, my American friends are really impressed with. They're like, hey, your your chips are called something different over here, huh? I was like, yeah. Crisps. Yeah, mate, mental, isn't it? There we were, <laughs> standing in Greg's, enjoying their first Greg sausage roll. That's an experience. Mate. Greg's and Weatherspoons is all you need to do for a, a British tour. That's it, mate. Yeah, that's it. Wow. Welcome. Um, yeah. and, and, and that's the thing as well, because I one of the things that always stood out to me, mate, um, from our first conversation about the Phantom Menace, um, and and actually, I think you and I talking in general when we when we first met up was you talking about um, the um, Star Wars goodies you could get at Pizza Hut, mate. Mate, tell us about them. I still remember it, and again, seeing this advert brought it all back. It was a, it was a balmy uh, May evening when I went to Guildford with my mummy and my dad. My mum and dad. Um, I think I don't know who else came. I don't know my brother or sister came. When I was with my mum and dad, um, and we went to Pizza Hut, and you got this. You got a, like a pizza for one little one, and you got a you got a cup, a pizza a cup with a like a a Phantom Menace cup with a topper on it, and you'd get a little toy of Annie or Jar Jar or Padme <laughs> or Annie, and um, and I believe Watto was one of them as well. 
Oh, and it was sick. all new. You know what I mean? Because I, I, like yourself, have been used to seeing um, Yoda, Luke, Leia, Han, uh, Chewie. Those the classic characters, Darth Vader and the yep. Emperor. And now we're seeing like these new ones, like Jar Jar, Padme, like colourful characters. And mm. I just, and I just remember getting there and just sitting there. And it was even in that particular branch. Um, you know, shout out to Pizza Hut Guildford. It was everywhere. I mean, there were so many other kids there who had these cups and these toys. And um, I remember, I seemed, I kind of remember somebody going up trying to um, ask if they could get more. Like, you know, can I give you a few pounds for some more? And they, I don't believe they were allowed to. But uh, they, I imagine they're also on eBay now. I've seen some on, on those kind of websites. But yeah, it's just the, the, the toys that you'd get in this fast food restaurant. And Pizza Hut seemed to be the main one. KFC did as well. But we went to Pizza Hut because um, the, their toys seemed to be a bit cooler. Uh, and it seems like the United States did the same, but they teamed up with Taco Bell and and KFC for that advert. And to see to see Colonel Sanders brandishing a white lightsaber, and I don't think, I don't think I ever need to see anything ever again after oh, seeing yeah. that. The yeah. Colonel with a lightsaber was like made my life completely way ahead of Ahsoka. Yeah, who? Yeah, yeah. I mean, Colonel, mate. <laughs> Jedi slapping Sanders down, slapping down fools left, right, and centre. Using the force on that uh, secret recipe. Pshht. That's it, mate. That's it, mate. Now, um, I do remember that an awful lot. So I'm glad you mentioned that because it gave me a chance to to remind myself of it. So yeah, a big big memory for me that was, mate. Beautiful. Now, um, the 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 this is this is some marketing gold. What's coming up here? I mean, if you thought the audio clips are dumb, people, nah. Nah, we got some more naughty audio <laughs> coming your way. Um, this one needs a bit more um, background information. Um, this is a, a marketing campaign in collaboration between uh, Pepsi and like, Mountain Dew as well and uh, ILM Lucasfilm Star Wars, right? And um, they created this creature called Martha Lump. Okay, and Martha Lump, it, it was like whipped up in the studio in like a week or something. Or it looks like it, you know. <laughs> yeah. I, I, that to me, probably, absolutely. I don't, I don't mean to disrespect the work that's gone into this because it is, it's just pure nineties nostalgia, <laughs> and, and it makes my heart warm. Um, but it, you know, shut up, Luke. Matt, play the clip. Play the clip. A long time ago, in a galaxy far, far away. Everyone, we've got to save the Queen! Quadratat! Mr. Jaja Binks, come for comic relief. Emergency landing on Tatooine. No! Pod racing is with Love you, Mom. Love you, Padme. Oh no! Darth Maul! <laughs> My brains are spilling out! Oh joy, the end. This is the weirdest state I've ever been on. I'm out of here. Go, you must. Farewell. Bye-bye. Star Wars Episode One cans collect all 24 this summer. There you go, mate. Oh, mate. <laughs> it just... Moth. It sounds... It sounds so good. So good. So good. <laughs> it's just... It's just so naff. But what's funny... <laughs> What's funny, it, it is heartwarming though. Like, what is funny about this advert in particular, and why we wanted to do this separately from the others, is it is because you can tell it was kind of done behind the scenes. You can kind of tell it was a collaboration between these ILM people and Pepsi because they were probably just given like the like, character names and planets and stuff, and like, <laughs> and that's it. But they kind of got their like, story pretty much <laughs> on point 
Do you know what I mean? Like, they're pretty much the whole story. They kind of got spot on in this Pepsi Mountain Dew Martha Lump advert, which I think is pretty funny. Yeah, it's where now now we get Burger King selling the Rise of Skywalker spoilers in Germany. Back in 1999, we had some geezer called Martha Lump just openly ruining the film. This is before the soundtrack came out with Qui-Gon's Noble End on, like a week before the film came out. <laughs> yeah, Martha Lump just doing these beats and... Um, also, also crushing on Padme Amidala as well uh, on one of the cans. Uh, yeah, yeah. Uh, this is a this is a fun bit of marketing. That it's great to go back in hindsight to look at and think, oh, oh, I wonder if anyone picked up on that. I wonder if anybody was watching the film in 1999 and was uh, like, oh, my god, Marth Lump has ruined this entire thing for me. Yeah, yeah, pretty much because you know he was pretty close to it. Um, <laughs> but uh, honestly, guys, I know. Well, you're listening to our pod, whether you're working at home or whatever. After the podcast, please just just YouTube Martha Lump, M-A-R-F-A-L-U-M-P, Martha Lump. Oh, my days. Martha These adverts Lump. are so bad. And there's another one as well. We won't play it, but there's another one as well. We just like, um, like runs into a room, jumps into a rocket, blasts into outer space and lands at the uh phantom menace premiere and he sits with jake lloyd at the front <laughs> and like jake lloyd tells him shh shh be quiet martha lamp that's it you so moron looks annoyed yeah yeah that's it that's it but i mate i i thought that was just pure 90s nostalgia gold isn't it and do you know what it also brought back and i know i see and i i know you do as well on especially on instagram so many people showing this but it also reminds us of the cans that um, Pepsi were mm-hmm. dropping. I remember going into oh. Woolworths and they'd have the Pepsi cans with all the characters on it. So you'd have young Anna, you'd have Watto, and not Watto, you'd have Qui-Gon. Again, the usual, the usual characters, the new cast, would be on these uh, Pepsi cans, the blue Pepsi cans. And I see people on Instagram with their entire collection and it, it's, it looks incredible that people have kept them. I don't know if they're worth anything or not, but I remember going into um, Woolworths in Woking and trying to get a different one each time. And there was, always, not for any reason, but there's always loads of Jar Jar. Like they were obviously trying to push the character Jar Jar, but there's always more of Jar Jar and Padme than anybody else. And um, it just reminded me of that, because in the Marvel and Padfoot, he, when he's crushing on Padme, he you know pushes the can into the camera. So you can kind of say, look, marketing, look, get your can, you can get a picture on it as well, um, whilst giving away the plot. It just reminded me of that. And yeah, Mountain Dew did it as well. But that also Dude. brought back the feels. And it's something else. Even when he went to get a soft drink, there was the yes. Menace. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And he broke the series like Kellogg's. Kellogg's did these toys as well, like gold-coloured plastic toys. I collected all those as well. I've got something to admit. I've, I'm sorry, I've been like a little bit erratic. Like I'm so excited, right? Because while we've been talking about this, I have just remembered I did something absolutely mental like oh, no. a while ago like like a week or two ago i did something well funny yeah <laughs> we were talking at work okay about <laughs> yeah classic um we were talking at work about um what was it um barbecue walkers okay so americans <laughs> barbecue lays and we were like oh yeah do you remember <clears throat> they had um it was like a black bag and the barbecue crisps taste they used to taste different to what they taste like now like yes. they taste different and um so i googled i was there at work and i googled oh like old walkers barbecue crisps whilst yeah. working I of go- course whilst working yeah I mean, you know me mate <laughs> come on mate 
And <laughs> I was there and uh, the one of the first images that came up, I kid you not, was a promotional video for the, uh, uh, not video, Chris packet for the Phantom Menace. There you go. It was a, so it's a promotional Chris packet for the Phantom Menace. And um, it had like Obi-Wan Kenobi on it, right? I click onto this link. Okay. I click onto it and (laughs) you're going to, you're going to, you're going to, you're going to laugh. It's an eBay link, ain't it? You can, you can buy, you can buy (laughs) this Chris packet. Unopened or opened? Opened. It's an old <laughs> crisp packet, and I, I'm pretty sure. I'm. I don't know for definite, but I'm pretty sure I got it in the post. You bought. You bought it, and I've not. I've not opened it. Now, I while you were saying that, I've set up my phone on my desk, and it's recording me. I've balanced it on some 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 clothes. <laughs> and should I open this live on? our podcast if you don't i'll be disappointed in you. right okay let me go get it let me go find it give me a second matt do small talk hello this is the matt hudson section on star wars sessions luke bligh has gone to get a crisp packet from 1999 i hope it hasn't got anything in it which may make him ill and i hope it doesn't smell either so uh yeah this is content you come for this is quite right so i think i think this is it if not it's a letter (laughs) it's a bill yeah, it's a bill. Are you filming I'm this? Pr- I, I, I am. I am this filming this. I reckon we should put this. This should be like for the patrons. Yes. What deal. do you think? I'm, I'm just going to say it. The patrons get to see this naughty lot. So I've got this here. Oh, there's my address on it. There we go. Luke. Luke Bly. Probably shouldn't read Essex. Let's though. open this bad boy up, okay? So you can hear me open it, guys. I'm excited, Dave. I'm excited. Oh, bro. I'm opening. Oh, crap me. It's right. It is that... <laughs> People, I bought a crisp packet. How much did you pay for said crisp packet? Uh, <laughs> it's right here. And it Obi-Wan's on it. It oh, is, close. it's Obi-Wan. And it says, and there's a, there is Jar Jar Binks on it as well. <laughs> oh, made best himself. The light, the light keeps going crazy on the video. But How there much we go. did you there spend on this crisp packet? Right, I think it was, I think I bought it for one pound. Okay, that's fine. And it was, and it was a pound delivery. So two, so two, two pounds. Either Mate. way, that's a steal. Now, what are you going to do with this crisp packet? You going to frame it? Yeah, <laughs> yeah, I'm going to frame it. Yeah, I'm going to frame it. It's, do you want to know the best before date? Uh, I'm going to go for. I'm going to go for July, two thousand. Nah, it's so it is second of October, nineteen ninety nine. That is wild. Does, oh, this is going to be a really good question. Does the day. packet smell on the inside? Should I smell it? Yeah. No, don't. Maybe they've washed it out then. I could just hear no, this packet rising. It does smell like it's been in a loft. It's like ASMR. It's. Oh, mate. But anyway, I totally forgot about that up, until, up until we've recorded this podcast. So the patrons, they got a video, they got a naughty video, and everyone else, they can hear it. You can just imagine it. Just Google Walker's. Chris Packet Phantom Menace promotion, and it's the one with Obi Wan on it. Oh my day! We'll we'll upload a picture of it later. That's it. Go to, go to StarWarsSessions.co.uk. Look at the picture of Luke on our about section, and picture that guy <laughs> opening a Chris Packet. So you patrons have got to see pictures of Luke drinking a horrible beer, and um, yeah. amongst other things. And now and the opening stuff. That's, that's it. That's the dream, for, guys.
Right, I'm going to turn off the video for the patrons and we'll continue the show because we've got more stuff to play. Mate, that was, that was an exciting interlude. I'm not going to lie. I, I was sitting there thinking, where could, this, where could this be going? More exciting than my Ke- Kellogg's talk. I was just going to say, I got the, <laughs> got the Kellogg's toys um, from like my Frosties or something. These gold-coloured go. plastic toys again. Amidala was the main one. Live, live upload. It's done. Oh, no, no. No, damn it. No, sorry. I didn't mean I actually uploaded it, but um It will be just people yeah, it will be. People can pretend. Yes, when when you look when you're listening to this, imagine that he's actually uploading it right now. But, uh, but there we go. It go yeah. it it goes to show that like this like the promotion of this film was everywhere. Yeah. Everywhere. And there's still more to come, isn't there, mate? So we've had Chris Packets, we've had Mountain Dew, we've had Marflump, Pepsi, KFC, the Colonel of a Lightsaber. What is Star Wars most known for? What did George Lucas apparently sell his soul for in the 80s? Toys. And we, we, what kind of show about marketing, or not even a show segment about the marketing, would be complete without a trip to Toys R Us and going down to memory lane. So uh, let's drop this Toys R Us advert. They are good. They are evil. They are alien. They are wise. And they are available. At Toys R Us, you can find the complete collection from Star Wars Episode One. It's a selection of epic proportions, and they are waiting. Toys R Us. And that was awesome to see. And I love the way they're, they're some are good, some are evil. Or, or they're good, they're evil. <laughs> they're now available. And it's like, <laughs> I love those others. It's so simplistic, but in actually, yeah, it's a very, it's very charming. Yeah, no, it, 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 it doesn't seem. It sounds really silly to say, but it doesn't seem uh, overly pushy. Like, get come to Toys R Us now, get two for one, ten dollars for this toy, blah blah blah. Yeah. It's just, it's almost like just showing like the trailer made out of the toys, and that it's really quite, quite well done actually. Come get your toys, or jump in the River Thames. <laughs> yeah. no, it's not aggressive like that. It's just plain and simple. Wait twenty years to pay a pound on eBay for your Chris packet. <laughs> <laughs> what a gangster! Hey, mate, I wonder if this competition's still available. Win up to one million pounds. I'm sure they Search did that the Simpsons once. So try it. Do it. Yeah. Yeah. Just, just send it in. Send it. Backdate it to 1999 <laughs> as, as, as it's just turned up. Luke Blanc, um, um, like March, March the 14th, 1999. See if they get it and be like, oh, we have to honor that now. I am definitely, definitely, hands down, going to frame this bad boy. My yes. wife don't know it, but, but it's going to be. So what he's trying to say is there's plenty of wedding pictures up. Maybe one of them can be replaced by a Chris Packet, and let's see how long it takes for his wife to notice. <laughs> That's it, mate. That is it. But no, honestly, <laughs> right? So you've got... The thing is with this marketing campaign and with Star Wars in general, it brings in the adults and kids, yeah? Yes. And that's kind of the basis we've covered here. You've got the toys for the kids, you've got all the food for the adults and families too, and you've got the drinks for the teens. And like, like it just, it's so, there's so much synergy in this marketing mm-hmm. campaign. That, and, and bear in mind, this would have happened for months, yeah? This, this, so the this Chris Packet, long time. mate, the Chris Packet I've got here, yeah, second of October ninety nine. Now I, we, but crisps have a fairly long life on them as well. So that crisp packet that, that that may have been manufactured in like late nineteen ninety eight for all we know. Yeah, 
Yeah, so it would have been like people would have known about this for months, yep. for months, and um, and that's the point. It, and it would have stayed in your head for months. You know, the marketing for this would have started a lot earlier than the marketing for something that the new era Star Wars films. Right? Yep. This isn't just a matter of putting a trailer on the internet and everyone going crazy. Now you've got to do a lot of old school marketing. You've got to do a lot of collaborations of brands. But the point here is. Can you go overboard with that? And, and 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 this might lead into our next section. I think I think so, mate. And what you said about synergy is spot on because it wasn't a lot of the people who would have been collecting those toys would have also been the adults who were kids when the original trilogy came out. And it's those adults who we heard about who were most excited about the film. So when it actually came to going to see the film, there were people outside saying, there's no way is it going to be a disappointment. This will be the next wonder of the world. People were breathless going, literally breathless going in to watch this film. And like we mentioned, they'd already gone in. Some had already decided it would be the greatest film of all time. I went in with that mindset. Sounds familiar. And then of course the film, then of course the film drops and everything that came before is kind of stopped. And now we're in, you know, year one, you know, ATPM after the Phantom Menace, the film is dropped and um, the reactions were um it was a really odd time because when we've gone back and looked at the reactions haven't we and um, and also from what we remember and our own reactions and it's nowadays people look at it as if overwhelmingly negative but to start with it really wasn't no it was, it was really mixed wasn't it yeah no you're right not all of the uh reviews were great but not all of them are bad even roger ebert like the one of the most lauded film critics of all time good old roger roger loved movies uh, he gave it 3.5 out of 4, which is a big deal from somebody like Rodrigo. He's a man who holds clout. He said it was an astonishing achievement in imaginative filmmaking. And Keith Phipps of the AV Club, who recently dropped the Trevorrow script, they they said it had a shaky start and the presence of a couple of questionable elements. By the time the uh, finale arrived, The Phantom Menace was as good as the original trilogy. So we've got you know two people, uh, one one of the greatest critics of all time and one writing for such a prestigious uh, site of the AV Club, both saying it was great. Roger Ebert also said in his review, there were bits which are, you don't go to watch this film for substance, you go to see it for style, and there's plenty of it, you're going to be entertained, and you're going to be, and, and Keith Phipps said the same thing, there are bits in it which are a bit rubbish, but by the end of it, when you get to that lightsaber fight and the mm. triple ending, it's as good as it comes, and again, there were only four Star Wars films released at this point, the OT and the Phantom Menace, so in terms of, yeah, ranking them, there's only four, so it's not a wild statement to say it's as good as the OT at that time because it was the only film they had to compare. Yeah, exactly, man, exactly. I mean, it, it, it goes about saying that there was um, more middle-of-the-road and negative reviews, I think, as the as as it sunk in, that there was a new Star Wars film, even amongst the fans. You know, there's that um, episode of... It's not... What's that show set in the 80s? Uh, um, the Family. <laughs> All I could think of is the dinosaurs. Um, no. <laughs> All I could think of. No, the Goldbergs. That's what I'm thinking of. Okay. The Goldbergs, yeah. There is a spin-off... <laughs> Of that, <laughs> I don't even know what the name is, but I saw it on Sky one time, and it was uh, this whole episode about like these kids going to see the Phantom Menace, yep. and um, how they they really loved it at the start, but then like oh, like 
a day later, <laughs> excuse me, two days later, um, people were like bashing it and stuff. Um, yeah. So nevertheless, uh, I've, I've got a review here from John Hartle of film.com who at the time said story character, they used to mean something to George Lucas. They used to mean Burn. something. Burn, burn, yeah. So that, that ain't a good one. No, there is. To, I don't want to bash on Lucas, but I mean, I get why. Well, these are critics; they they look into the minutiae of it. And yeah, I mean, in terms of character, the characterizations weren't great. But as Ebert said, this was the first of three films. We had two more films to get to know these characters more, more and more. But I mean, there was Robert Volonsky of the Dallas Observer. He said, "This ain't no movie. It's a very long, very tedious infomercial for action figures on sale now at Target or a Toys R Us near you." Uh, so this guy's obviously seen that marketing, watched the film, and then just been like, "Yep, the marketing was basically the film itself was the marketing for the toys." Which uh, is again, that's a burn. It's. Yeah, critically, it doesn't really say much about the film other than he's not saying whether the film's good, the characterization, the story, the twists, or anything like that. He's just saying it's there to sell toys. So uh, not the best review, if you ask me, but it's an opinion. Yeah, exactly. And um, even on Rotten Tomatoes, I think The Phantom Menace is, is the lowest scoring um, on both sides. Like the average, if you combine the tomato meter and the audience score, it's the lowest. I think. Because I know the Rise, Rise of Skywalker is lower on one of them, but not with the audience score. The audience score on the Rise of Skywalker is, is like in the 70s mm-hmm. or 80s. Yeah, yeah. It? So, yeah, in terms of critically, but it's for the, the Phantom Menace. Menace it's, it's both. Yeah, exactly. For the Phantom Menace, it's both in the 50s. Yes, yeah. 53% on the tomato meter, 59% um, with an audience score. Still half, which though. Is, uh, Still crazy. one in two people. Yeah. yeah. Yeah, 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 yeah. That's, that's, that is very true. That is very true. And we know that, you know, the Phantom Menace, hey, listen, the Phantom Menace did its job, you know, to a certain extent with me because I'm still a Star Wars fan to, to this yeah. day. You know, what if I come out and I just couldn't stand Phantom Menace? Because all those reviews, all those criticisms, I didn't take really, I, I didn't take notice of those when I was a kid. I just loved the story. I, I loved the whole um, event, especially when you're younger. I didn't pay attention to any of the uh, negative criticisms or Jar Jar Binks or whatever, you know, I, I've, I've, I've genuinely enjoyed all of it. It wasn't until I was older, I started to think, oh, okay, I, I like those bits still. I don't like those bits, whatever. But I still love Star Wars overall, obviously. Yeah, I mean, this this podcast is testament to that. Because it's a good point, though, actually, because I wouldn't mean, there would have been, there must have been people who are turned off the franchise because people were coming out of the cinema most people at the time were loving it, but there were people who were like, who were saying, you know, I think George Lucas, I think I deserve a public apology from George Lucas. So there were people coming out even then who were not pleased with it. But then Kevin Smith said it was just behind Empire. Kevin Smith is is prone to hyperbole, mind. Um, but there was um, most of the comments <laughs> did relate to acting the script and Jar Jar in terms of the negativity, whereas the positivity, most people like. People seem to love the visual effects in this film. That's what I've noticed. People love the visual effects. And they love the lightsaber fight, and they love Darth Maul. And for the most part, uh, Qui Gon and Obi Wan came out unscathed as well. Annie and McDermott as well as uh, as the Chancellor Palpatine. So it was it was a mixed bag in terms of what people didn't didn't like. So it, it's funny. And the Force dot net, the fans on there, they were a lot more negative. They the three most popular threads are ones bashing the Phantom Menace, whereas IMDb generally had a lot more uh, fans that enjoyed it. And both of those. Uh, should be you take them with a pinch of salt because if you like the film, 
that's all that matters. Do you know what I mean? It's I've seen so many people online who have said, oh, you know, I feel bad or I feel like I shouldn't like the prequels or, or The Last Jedi because the internet tells me I shouldn't or, or somebody over there doesn't like it. So then I feel like mm-hmm. I shouldn't like it. And you think, well, you know, if you like it, you like it. We've had our say about the sequel trilogy films and the PT and aspects of the OT. But at the end of the day, we, we, st- we still love all of it, even the bad bits. So if you like it, like be proud, own that because this is what it's all about. And the, you know, there there will always be people bringing it down. In 1999, there were sections of fan base who were who were using arguments which are leveled at creators today. So it's nothing new in terms of pe- fan reaction, which I found the most interesting is that you know people were still knocking the the new aspects of culture that were being brought into the film, yeah. and that happens nowadays. So nothing's actually changed an awful lot. Like the, the sequel trilogy was met with a lot of fanfare and then people have gone sour on it and, but there are still people who absolutely love it. And I just, I'm glad that we've now got the prequelists as they're called, like, like Luke and myself who have a voice and have a platform to come out and say, do you know what? These films may not have been the greatest, but come yeah. on, they're a lot of fun. Nobody owes anyone a public apology. It isn't the eighth wonder of the world or the ninth wonder of the world now, but look, it's, it's a great, fun, entertaining film. And that's all. I, that's all I want it to be. Um, but yeah, at the time in 1999, yeah, it, it it didn't go down well because a lot of people wanted it to be something else. I think the dude I was just with, um, who was visiting from California for the last few weeks, he actually doesn't even acknowledge the prequels. It's interesting. Like in his in his head canon, they didn't happen. He says it starts at Rogue One. Solo would come first, really canonically oh well yeah that's that's correct yeah but he that's what he said i'm just quoting him he just said it starts a rogue one i think i think he didn't mind solo but yeah he and and he includes the sequel trilogy in that he like he he really enjoyed the sequel trilogy which and i thought that was really funny i don't hear that one often but then again you know that's not a dude who's going to be on the internet talking about it do you know what I mean? The yeah. guy's like an architect. Like yeah. he doesn't, he doesn't sit and talk about Star Wars in his spare time. Which fair enough. But, but did lost. he tell but, you um, you were wrong for liking the prequels? <laughs> no. Yeah, he he he's, he's a good me, guy. He, then he told me he told me they don't exist. <laughs> <laughs> I don't know. I don't know which one's worse. Wait till he hears this. Yeah, I know, right? I know, right? But um, I think this also goes um to show that something can be overhyped and we we know that we we know that and that's that's something that's not just unique to star wars that's things that can relate to a world cup i always remember which world cup was in south africa was it 2010 2010. mate i was so i because that's when i was like in football prime yeah i was like playing football all the time i was so looking forward to the south africa world cup and literally i was so disappointed from it I, d- I did not enjoy that. I watched so many of the games and I thought it was so average, tedious, naff. The football was okay at best. Um, and the Vuvuzelas just going... Oh, my, my. The whole match. So, mate, yeah. it happens left, right and centre. It happens on TV series a lot nowadays. Yeah, I mean, just look at Game of Thrones. I didn't watch the final season because I dropped off after about season six. I understand it wasn't well received. I, I, well, I haven't seen it, so I can't sit there and say it wasn't great. But obviously, the, the the fever pitch that that fan base had created around this final season, you know, what do they expect? What do they want to see? These characters they've grown with over the last uh, eight years or so, you know, what, what was their end game? And a lot of people were disappointed with it. You get it in video games an awful lot as well. The video game uh, fans, not all of them, but certain 
games have found a very uh, passionate, should we call it? But you know, passion is passion. Whatever. I'm not in. I'm not going to get into a discussion about who's right or wrong, though some people are bad. Yeah, <laughs> everyone has. Every fan base has passion to it, and it's that's what we love. And Luke and I love is the passion. People like your friend. You can sit there and say to them, "Well, you could probably have a debate about the merits of the prequels," and and the ch- this chap can say, "Well, actually, no, I don't agree with that, but this is why." And you can have, and there's passion. It's great fun. In the end, you have a beer and you get on with it. That's what we love to see. Or on the internet, you can just have a chat with somebody about, I love this film. I, I see it as well in the film fandom. It's very, it can be very annoying because you can get, it's very elitist at times. You, you, you've got to like this film or you can't be a film fan if you like Transformers, but you've got to like this Kubrick film, blah, blah. You, you know, like what you like. And you're right. It shouldn't be a surprise that the expectations were so high. And if they weren't going to be met, you were going to get a, a fallout. But I noticed that the fallout actually benefited Attack of the Clones somewhat because people were going into that hoping it would redeem the quote-unquote the franchise. And people were coming out of Attack mm-hmm. of the Clones, and guess what? They were saying, this is as good as Empire. This is brilliant. This is up there of the OT. <laughs> this is as good as Empire. That's the, exactly. That is because like the of benchmark their, everyone uses, isn't it? It's I know, it's still the same now. Because of their um, uh, what's the word, experience with the Phantom Menace, You know, the Attack of the Clones was seen as a saviour. And then, of course, th- that had a fallout as well. It's, it just comes in like um, peaks and troughs. And it's really interesting that it, this isn't a criticism of anyone. I, I truly mean that. But it's really interesting how things just haven't changed. The Force Awakens, everyone loved mm-hmm. it. And then mm-hmm. it became cool mm-hmm. to bash on it. The Last Jedi, you know, it's critically lauded. But, but lots of people have it's divided so many people. And the rise of Skywalker slash Blywalker, you know, that, yeah, that's <laughs> divided people as well. And it's so interesting fandom at times and the Phantom Menace yeah. is like the, for me is like the zenith the prime example because it was 16 years since Return of the Jedi the classic OT Star Wars fans were a different beast back then it was a lot more kind of close season it was a lot more niche because uh yeah being a Star Wars fan then you know it was a bit different you were you were seen differently as now it's much more mainstream it's cool to be it's cool to be square and all that but back then it wasn't the Phantom Menace is to me is the ultimate example of Something that was overhyped and marketed mm. as a, like a machine, and overhyped to uh, a set of fans who they knew would lap it up, but was for me it could never have reached the heights. Like that fanboys film said, "What if it's not very good? It was never good. I don't think it's ever going to satisfy everyone." No, you're right. You're you are definitely right, and because of the position it was put in. Um, because of the crazy marketing, like you're seeing this thing everywhere. Um, and because of the way people are as well, and because of the success, the utter success of the original trilogy, um, you know, if from if from a certain point of view, it did it did fail. It was it was still one of the biggest films of all t- time. Of course, it was. Yeah. Um, but listen, whenever I watch the Phantom Menace, it's like. It's like, mate, I've I've gone down to the little coffee machine at the bottom of my building, or I've gone to my kitchen and I've gone to the uh, Mia Fino, uh, or not Mia Fino, what have I got? Tassimo, Tassimo Ooh, machine. Oh, yeah. I put one of those naughty little pods in and I'm, I'm, I'm making myself a caramel latte and it's going to warm me up and I'm going to feel real good. Do you know what I mean? Because yeah. when I watch The Phantom Menace, there are moments in it where I'm like, oh, that's not good. Just like if there was a little like a, a coffee that's not quite dissolved in my coffee but you know i'm, I'm, I'm still gonna enjoy the drink i'm still gonna drink it and i'm gonna have a good time you appreciate it for what it is when you 
I'll appreciate for, exactly, mate. I appreciate the fundamentalists, and I love the fundamentalists, and it does. You know, the more we're, I'm, I'm getting older, the more I look back at the fundamentalists, and and I do have those nostalgic vibes of it. I do look at it with rose tinted glasses, and um, yeah, it, it's amazing. But how fortunate are we, man? Like you were saying just earlier, you know, Kevin Smith had four films to rank. We we have eleven, and we That's still haven't got our head around our rankings yet. No, no, mate. How close mate. do you think you are? I think I think I need to watch it on Blu-ray because it's out now digitally. So uh, we can watch it digitally, yeah. which I'm going to do tomorrow. I think. Oh, really? Yeah. I'm, I'm going to watch. I'm going to wait to the Blu-ray, and I'm going to mm. I'm going to sit down and watch it, maybe with some friends or something, and see how I feel then. I think then I'll know. I think I know what. I think I roughly know, but I'm still not sure because it's how it affects the others. Yeah. But there we go. But there we go, mate. There we go. The Phantom Menace forever. It makes me it takes me back to being a thirteen year old lad having that pizza, eyes wide, dreamy. What's going to happen on screen? That's what it's all about. So uh, the Phantom Menace could it have ever lived up up to expectations? Maybe, maybe not. Hi, I'm Ken Absock, author of Why We Love Star Wars, and you're listening to Star Wars Sessions, probably Britain's greatest Star Wars podcast. Star Wars Sessions, the best part around. Star Wars Sessions, the best part around. Star Wars Sessions, the best part around. Yeah. Star Wars Sessions, the best part around. It's over Anakin, we have the high ground. The Mandalorian and the child. It's time to shoot the Galactic Priest now. Star Wars Sessions, the best part around. From Man Luke on any platform. Spicy, so good in execution. You can sign up to the Patreon now. It's over Anakin, we have the high ground. The Mandalorian and the child. It's time to shoot the Galactic Priest now. Star Wars Sessions, the best part around. Damn. So, we've spoken about the Phantom Menace. We've spoken about Pepsi, Mountain Dew, drinks, food. I fancy a drink. There's a quite neat little drinking hole over there. Should we bust a move in there? Let's do it, son. Can I have a Steagall and a pint of Rouge, please, to beat root beer? Oh, you naughty traitor. <laughs> I'm <laughs> I, not I even one of them. I, I Facebooked that pub and asked him what that beer was called. It's just called Rouge and it's brewed in London. So uh, there you oh, go, mate. mate flipping horrible mate it was vile um but yeah we, we 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 put the questions out to you guys on this topic the best listeners in the galaxy and here's what you had to say yes we did we got a we got a wonderful voice message from uh from uh, the wonderful emma from hello from hoff check out her blog here's what she had to say hey there it's emma from hello from Hoth, and i for one Love The Phantom Menace. I'm a big, big fan of the prequel trilogy, so I might be a little bit biased there, but I think that overall it was just a great film, and it was very well-deserving of the hype that surrounded it. It told the beginning of the Skywalker story in a way that was beautiful and fun and a little bit cheesy, but I feel like every Star Wars movie is cheesy to a degree, and that's what makes it special, and the promotionals for it were really neat, really well done. The merchandise was super, super cool, and I think that the reason that I encountered problems and was labeled a quote failure is because a lot of people who were really excited for it when it first came out were fans of the original trilogy who had grown up with that and who had seen A New Hope in theaters in 1977. And so they went into it expecting one thing and they got something a little bit different than what they were used to, but they didn't react well. And I think that's where the fandom menace encountered problems. But overall, it's a great story and 
to be perfectly honest, each Star Wars trilogy is a little bit different. They all tell a different story in a different way and have a little bit of a different feel, but they come together to make a whole. And I think that's the beauty of Star Wars is there's something for everybody. Even if it's not your favorite film, you can probably find at least one thing that you love and one thing that's special to you, and you just have to have a good attitude about it. But I think that overall, The Phantom Menace was great, and it's probably one of my favorite Star Wars movies. Thank you for sending that in, Emma. We love voicemails, and it's great to hear a new voice on the, sh- on the show as well. The promo and the merch was great. The thing I found interesting from what Emma said was fans of the OT from 1977 were expecting one thing, and it was, and they got something different. And it was uh-huh. those guys who didn't react well to it, which is kind of what we pointed out earlier on, that the, a lot of the people who would have been collecting the toys would have been kids in 1977 to 1983 who would have had their own memories of the OT. So they would have gone in expecting something, and were they the ones who weren't happy? Quite a lot of them seem to have been. And, um, yeah, the beauty of Star Wars is there's something for everybody. Let's have a good time with it. But, um, yeah, it's cheesy. Yeah, it's true. fun. The promos and merch were great. And it's great to hear as well that Emma says she loves The Phantom Men. It's one of her favourite Star Wars films. She loves that under PT. So thank you for sending that in, Emma. Yeah, and it, it, it was really cool as well because, you know, you, you got respect, whatever your opinion, that George Lucas did try something new here. Yeah, and she's right, yeah. Yeah, I, I, I really appreciate that. But yeah, thank you very much, Emma. Um, up next, we've got OT Nix, who said, I think The Phantom Menace had exactly the same hype and buzz that The Force Awakens gave us. You could see immense effort with merch pushes and promos, equaling a success. I do wonder if one day the new sequel trilogy will be considered treasures. Same like how many considered the prequels to now be. Um, Mm. Followed by the Knights of Glenn, who adds a budget of 150 million US dollars, um, making just over 1 billion US dollars, is a far cry from a failure. Was it overhyped? Quite possibly. Did it receive mixed reviews? absolutely but what movie doesn't these days but a failure i think not i still remember the events leading to opening night and those are those are some really really cool cool comments because and and that's the point that's why we wanted to use this word fail failure is to see what kind of reactions would we get from you guys and to talk about that what does that mean and what can we learn from these comments? What can we learn from our discussion? How can we apply that to the sequel trilogy? So, um, yeah, thank you guys for bringing that up and including that in those answers. Yep, thank you. Uh, we had Andrew Brewing said, yes and no. When you think about how well laid the foundation for the entire saga that takes chronologically afterwards, takes place after, Palpatine's rise, etc., other characters with spin-offs and storylines, so on and so forth, depending on your point of view, it's not a failure at all. Um, local boy Martin Mead what a man said I think with reflection perhaps it was people's anticipation and wants that caused people to dislike similar to the rise of Skywalker they expected their own narrative and when that wasn't delivered it caused a backlash and dislikes of a certain character who Misa think is awesome Uh, I I agree with that Martin and UK toy collector get this fellas get this guys guys and gals said I loved it have done from 1999 I travelled from the United Kingdom to the United States to see a midnight showing as the US had it a couple of weeks before oh. the UK. Great times. And we established um, Phantom Menace came out on July the 15th, 1999 in the United Kingdom. So UK yeah. toy collector, what a king, flew all the way over to another country to watch this film. What a naughty boy, an absolute legend. Um, yeah, that's great to hear. Great to hear. Um, 
Up next, we've got Emily Boner, uh, who says, I look at all that Lucasfilm accomplished with The Phantom Menace and the prequels as a whole in regards to blazing new trails in technology and movie making that I have such a hard time calling it a failure. It sometimes feels like the only failure is an attachment to the nostalgia of one's youth and the inability to recapture the same feelings one had for something at the age of 10, which sours love that could be fostered for that same thing in a new form later in life. Like Anakin says in Attack of the Clones, attachment is forbidden, possession is forbidden, compassion, which I'll define as unconditional love, is essential to a Jedi's life. So you might say that we are encouraged to love. Not letting go of the attachments of youth was what failed the Phantom Menace. I mean, Emily, what a comment. What a comment that is. That is fire, girl. It's a bit, a bit behind the scenes. Usually we don't put such big, long comments in just for, um, just, for, just for, you know, the flow. But that was such a great comment and so prevalent, so uh, relevant that we had to put it in. The idea that, yeah, it, everything is linked to what you reminded as a kid and trying to recapture those glory days. Is that what brought down the Phantom Menace? I think Emily may have hit the nail on the head there, I think. And it uh, sounds like you agree as well, Luke. Yeah, mate, I, I agree with Emily. I, th- I think she, it's a brilliant and valid point. Yep, I think you're a legend, Emily. Uh, speaking of which, the uh, the statesman to my kingsman, John Burke, big movie fan and a good buddy of mine, he sent in a voicemail for the show and it goes a little something like this. So I remember being a kid, loving Star Wars, and was so excited about The Phantom Menace coming out. Um, there's a really great movie called Fanboys that is kind of about the lead up to the release of the film that I think encapsulated the atmosphere of the time that the star Wars fandom could not have been more excited about a new star Wars film. And I think that probably doomed the Phantom Menace because nothing Lucas could have given us would have been able to live up to what we had imagined or in our heads. And not to mention when you look at the extended universe that existed pre Disney buying Lucas films, there was so much to love and so much to latch onto that. You just, you couldn't possibly hit everybody's button perfectly. And then Jar Jar Binks. So, you know, guys, let's be real. Jar Jar Binks single-handedly destroys Phantom Menace for most people. And that's just too hard to overcome. So Lucas looked at the fandom and said, you know what these people need? A Gungan. And that's the end of it. Uh, It falls. It fails. It could not have ever lived up to our expectations because who in their right mind could have ever dreamed up a character? Like Jar Jar Binks. So JB wasn't quite, he was so excited for this when he came out. He's a year or so older than I am. So he was in amongst the uh, fandom and the excitement and the promotional materials. And uh, yeah, he's, it was a disappointment for him. But the, again, the point I like that JB said was that the EU didn't help. Before 1999, mm-hmm. between sort of 1990 and 1999, they had the EU. Everything that came out. So all these other stories which were giving Star Wars fans their feel and their fix. And putting ideas into people's heads of what Star Wars should be or could be. And then this came out and we got Jar Jar Pinks, which didn't sit well with a lot of people, uh, including uh, JB, who says it destroys the film for most people. So I think that's a very valid point, mentioning that the EU actually could have been detrimental to the success of The Phantom Menace. And also, yeah, nothing Lucas could have given us would have lived up to the expectations. It's like it, it, and, and that fanboys movie JB references. If you haven't seen it, guys, go watch it. 
that is perfect. The fandom couldn't have been more excited, but it has set itself up for failure. So thank you for that, mate. Yeah, thank you very much for sending that in, Johnny Boy. Uh, up next, the Slafer said, I don't think it was destined to fail because fan and critical reception aside, the movie did very well. It did have two things against it, though. It was the first film George Lucas wrote and directed himself since A New Hope. So there was going to be a lot of trial and error, especially considering how reliant he was of CGI. And two was, of course, unrealistic fan expectations and demands, which have seen only grown worse in recent years. Thank you for that comment, Slafer. But one thing I will say, Celebration 2019... Ahmed Best, who played Jar Jar Binks, Whoop. comes out on stage and people went crazy. People went absolutely mental. So I, I actually think The Phantom Menace has had a somewhat of a renaissance. People look back at it again and once again with uh, rose-tinted glasses, which is a nice thing. Yep, I agree. And a comment uh, from Colossal DPM, which uh, ties in nicely. So the premise and story have always been fantastic. Problems with dialogue, the pacing and, and the crammed down our throat characters... As amazing as the world he built is, Lucas has major blind spots when making a movie. You have to remember that the editing team on A New Hope received an Oscar for their work. They did. And it's always been said that A New Hope was saved in the editing room. Lucas needs people around him that are not afraid to challenge some of the bad ideas he has. And let's face it, no one on the prequel trilogy did that. You can look at the behind the scenes stuff and see how much they puckered up and kissed butts. And uh, George even admitted he may have gone too far in places. And yeah, the editing team for A New Hope, they did win the Oscar because... That movie could have been a disaster had it been edited any differently because it, it was that that film was set up to fail. We've, we we yeah. spoke about that on our seventy six show, seventy seven show, um, but it was saved in the editing room on the cutting room floor. And it's a very it's a good point about Lucas and his storytelling. So thank you for that, Colossal and Slafer. Yeah, thank you very much. And up next, we got a cheeky, naughty little voice message from patron and all round legend from. Down Under, but not the Down Under you're thinking of. It's He's from New Zealand, although I think he might even live in Australia. I'm not Australia. sure. He lives with the fly on the wall, boys. Uh, I, oh, really? Yeah, he's an Australian chap, yeah? Oh, he don't actually live with the fly. Oh, he doesn't live with them. Oh, right, okay. <laughs> <laughs> the oh, wow. Yeah. Country, yeah. small, small world, small world. It's Daft Dildo. So here we go with The Phantom Menace. Uh, for me, it's a top four film. Definitely one of my favorite Star Wars films. I believe it was super successful. Without this movie, Star Wars would have been dead or at least, you know, it would have followed the original trilogy trajectory, which isn't bad, but I think Phantom Menace allowed for diversity in storytelling, which is amazing uh, in Star Wars. Uh, I think if we look back at it, it started off with positive reviews and the reviews went negative. So this was like the start of bandwagon culture online. Um, I think everyone jumped on the bandwagon there. I think expectations were actually the letdown uh, in terms of the films. The film itself was amazing, but the expectations, and I, I, I believe you should go into a film with an open heart, open mind, uh, devoid of expectations so that you always come out super surprised. I think on that note, the generation that did find the film super successful didn't really have a voice back then. So all the younger guys, all of us younger peeps, um, didn't have a voice back then and only just started to get loud now. And from Star Wars Celebration, did we get loud, boys and girls? Um, <laughs> so yeah, that does show its success. Growing up in New Zealand, we didn't see all the backlash and stuff like that, we did in, that you did in the rest of the world. So the merch was flying off shelves. Everyone wanted to um, own a Darth Maul lightsaber. Uh, Jar Jar Binks masks were being sold. Prequel era Jedi, everyone wanted to be one of those. Everyone wanted to be Queen Amidala. The movie was a roaring success. 
Wow, top four Star Wars film for Dylan. Thank you so much for sending that in, dude. Yes, um, and I love the the wording he's used in in his message. He he says that the Phantom Menace revitalized the genre and the um, the the Star Wars as a franchise, which you know he's he's kind of not wrong. Once again, Matt, you and I are a product of that. Yeah, no, we are. We are, and they they could have just given us a straight up film that felt like the OT, and we and even though the Phantom Menace um, did have similar beats to the OT, there's that thing again, like the Force Awakens, but it did had very similar story, but it didn't look and it didn't feel like it, and that's um, spot on there. It did allow for greater diversity story, it opened up the world, like just some of the worlds and planets we went to, and the characters and how they looked, and the um, people they brought in. It opened the world, and I, and I loved hearing about what it was like in New Zealand. You know, on the other side of the world, they didn't get any of this negativity. People were just lapping it up. They wanted to be Maul, Amidala, Jedi, Jar Jar. Mm-hmm. They, they just want, they just got sucked into the into the excitement and lived of it. And that's why I very much like to live in New Zealand to just be like that the whole time. But I loved hearing I what it was like it. on the other side of the world. So, um, thank I you for that, Dylan, mate. You're a king. Yeah, lad, 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 lad. Uh, finally, we had the bearded Django said the only failure was Jar Jar and Natalie Portman's stiff Padme. Mm-hmm. And finally, Lolo and Big J said the movie was a surefire success and financially it was. All they had to do was not create narrative inconsistencies between this and the original trilogy and create an engaging story. Lucas kind of messed up on both of those counts. He also didn't have anyone to tell him, hey, maybe that isn't a good idea. So Lucas taking a bit of the, uh, quite a bit of the blame in these messages. And I can understand that, but we've got a nice mixed bag of people there who loved it and people who could see it for what it was. And some people just thought it was a bit iffy. So guys, thank you so much. And for those who we didn't include, do keep sending them in and we will, uh, we will strive to include them on, uh, on the upcoming shows. Yeah, thank you so much for sending in those comments and voice messages, you naughty, spicy lot. And it's great to hear a diversity of opinions. Once again, we put this question out and we were expecting a mixed bag of responses. So thank you so much for getting involved, everyone. Yes, and as we do, we go to our Patreons now. Uh, on, on the $3 tier, you get to ask a question every month of the show. And we've got two more for this episode. So, well, Lukey boy, who's first? Uh, first, we got George Constantino, who says, Do you think bringing published material for the High Republic first will benefit the overall story in the end? I say this because I think the sequel trilogy might have been better received, especially by diehard fans, if there was more material out pre-release of the films. A lot of the material for the pre- for the prequel trilogy came after their release, but cinema was a lot stronger back then. I'm a fan of this new era. What do you think? Um, George, I actually think it, 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 it could play out both ways. I would say let's see how strong this canon will be. Because mm-hmm. um, I've been thinking about this this week. You know, they could play it safe. Like a lot of the new canon, they play it just so safe. And you can tell they're kind of like not treading on any toes and because of that, the, the stories don't feel as important as the old EU did, the old EU stories did. Um, but this could be different. So I think, and, and I, I, dude, I have a good feeling about this, you know, wink, wink. Um, it all comes down to the execution. Lads. Um, but yeah, no, honestly, I actually think it's going to be good. So therefore, 
to answer your question, yeah, I would like to see this sort of canon come out first and then a film made around it. I, I they haven't done that. Um, so, I mean, I, I can't see how that could be a bad thing. And George is a local boy, so uh, anything he says is golden. And it's a good point, actually, especially with the, the key subject here well, that uh, Georgie boy said was the diehards. So we're not talking about, oh, uh, should we should we get, put books out so everybody can read them before they watch a film? No, it's for the diehards to lap up, the ones who would eat up all the canon material. Maybe it would have been better received, because we did get the journey to the Force Awakens line of novels and comics, but they were kind of fleeting in their references to the film. And I think they were slightly misleading as well in their intentions. Because we had a Han book, a Luke book, a Leia. They all had their own stories. Kind of making you think they may be in the film a bit more. We got Before the Awakening, which was about Poe, Finn and Rey before The Force Awakens. Which gave us some sweet clues about them. And I like that. It was done by Greg Rucker. Good little book that was. Very, it was for young adults, but it's very, it was half decent. That was. Um, it's all hyper, hypothetical anyway, conjecture now. But given all we've just spoken about in the episode about fans, no one's going to be happy either way. It would have been built up or mm. torn down. But I reckon any any additional info is great. And maybe in these special circumstances, the sequel trilogy, you know, the sequel to Return of the Jedi and the OT, it, it was a big deal. You know, this was, you know, the 30 years of story story in between films. A bit more ground land, I think, would have been pretty cool to establish the state of the galaxy. Give the New Republic a bit of weight. And especially when we see Hosni and Prime get blown up in Force Awakens, spoiler, mm. it would have added some weight to that had we got some books and comics about it in like a, a, a six months to a year before, talking about... You know the state of the galaxy and the and the major players, and then when we see it get blown up in the Force Awakens, we'd be like, "Damn, I've just spent all that time reading about it. I've got really connected to it. Bang, bosh, yeah. gone." Yeah. So I, I'm gonna I'm gonna say I think it may have helped. However, that it, it it would have required a thorough story to have been plotted out, which there clearly wasn't for the sequel trilogy. So I think in hindsight, in theory, yeah, give me give, give give us all we can get now, and then if they are going to make films in the High Republic, then yeah. hopefully these books, you know, set up the stories and the characters to the point where we can really dive into it. So I think that's a really decent question, actually, mate. Yeah, mate, that is a top-tier question, definitely. Thank you very much, George. I've got another top-tier question here. This one's from Jimmy Adams, old guy Jedi. What a lad. He said, which character from any source material would you most like to have a beer with? Jimmy knows what we like on Star Wars sessions. Star Wars chat, beer. That's pretty much what we need and we'll be happy. Maybe a Burger King um, app on our phones as well. For me, um, I'm going to go for uh, one of them is Ray. For many reasons, of course. Dr. Afra would be pretty sweet. She'd have some cool stories. But come on, I'd go for it. Here's a left field one. I'd like to go for a beer with Bodhi Rook. Goggle pilot. Because he seems like a great guy. He's down to earth. He doesn't want to cause any trouble. And he wants to do the right thing. Which means he'd probably buy the round. So Bodhi Rook would be pretty sweet, I think, to go for a drink with. He'd be a nice, easy going guy. So Ray, because she's wonderful. Dr. Afra for the stories. Or Bodhi Rook, because I think he's a nice lad. Yes, good answers, man. Do you know what is the first dude who came to, to to my head was actually Watto Qui Gon. Really? Oh, I mean, yeah, no, Watto. Uh, no, it was Qui Gon, man. The wisdom of Qui Gon Jin. You could have a, could could have a Qui Gon Jin with him. Oh, oh, bro, you <laughs> naughty boy! What is it with you and puns? This man, you cut him open, he he, he bleeds puns. <laughs> Please don't um, try. So, yeah, don't try, don't try. But don't, seriously, you imagine that just at the pub, just at the pub. People are like, oh, look, there's always a bigger fish. And I'll just be like, I'll, I'll be on my fourth pint. I'll be like, yeah, you're so right. <laughs> there is there always, is a, always bigger a bigger fish. <laughs> Staring you're so at the wise, Qui-Gon. You're so wise. <laughs> so wise and cool. Something's not right here. Oh. 
<laughs> yes. <laughs> and you'd have that bad boy robe on as well. Yeah, it'd have the naughty robe on and everything. It would it, just be a great time. Maybe we could do some karaoke at the Beehive on a Saturday night followed. That that might be fun. So uh, yeah. Qui-Gon and Bodhi Rook or Rayo Afra as well. So not a bad choice there. Jimmy, who would you have have a go for a drink with? Guys out there, patrons, non-patrons, who, if you could have a drink of anyone in Star Wars, let us know who would it be and why, because that's a, that's a pretty sweet question. If you do want to sign up to our Patreon, you can do so. Patreon.com forward slash Star Wars Sessions. You get three shows per month. You get Jibber Jabber Jabber the Hud, which is my show. You get the Journal of Luke Blywalker, which is all about Lukey Blywalker. You get Pubcasts, where we sit in a pub and we have a chat for half an hour about Star Wars. And you get other little bits in Bob's phone and you get images, you get behind the scenes stuff. We get um, just as spiciness you'd expect from us in a little in your own little bubble. So check that out. And you can also buy merch if you want to as well. Yes, you can buy all the merch. And the link to that bad boy is tpublic.com forward slash user forward slash Star Wars Sessions. And speaking of tpublic, we've got some great photos of Nick's and Martin Mead, who have been rocking their Star Wars Sessions t-shirts that they, they recently ordered, and they're wearing those bad boys, and they look amazing. And they got them, they got them in some really groovy colours, didn't they, mate? Mate, a baby pink, which looks sweet, and Martin got a green, which I would have yeah. never thought with, and it looks wicked. And we saw um, the King of Wales went to uh, what's the Rise of Skull, could have it in the Star Wars Sessions t-shirt. We've had, uh, we had, we've had Limey Printmaker Johnny and Galaxy's Edge sporting the wood gear and other, and other places and other people as well. So, guys, it means the world. So thank you. But we love seeing our faces all around the world. Taking over, mate. Taking over. F6 represent. Speaking of taking over, a man who walks into a room and immediately gets everyone's attention. We've got a new poem. It's a new one. We're debuting it again from Curtis Smith. It's called Psych. It's all about Ray and Chewie and this Rise of Skywalker. Psych. This force tug of war is just kooky. It's a good way to blow up your Wookiee. Phew, you thought I was dead? JJ messed with your head? It was the other shuttle that took me. Find me on Twitter at Star Wars Poet, on Instagram and Facebook at Star Wars Poetry. Always Star Wars, always poetry, always original work, posting daily. There he is. I've missed those tones. And um, in, in depressing news this week, Curtis Smith did come into contact with the coronavirus. And as a precaution, the virus has had to go into self-isolation for two weeks because of it. <laughs> <laughs> oh, very, very real world and on topic, Matt, you naughty boy. But I would expect nothing less. Always, Curtis, always a naughty, spicy legend. Hey, what's up? It's Taylor Gray, a.k.a. Ezra Bridger, and you're listening to Star Wars Sessions, probably Britain's greatest Star Wars podcast. I hope you enjoy the show. Ladies and gentlemen, it's the Star Wars Sessions game! That's right, guys. You heard the music. You know what it means. It's time for the Star Wars Sessions game, and it is my turn to host it this week. Matty boy, are you ready? I'm excited. Uh, Of course you are. Why wouldn't you be, right? So this one is called The Big Nine. (laughs) 
This could be anything. Yeah, that's right. <laughs> that's why I introduced it as that. It's called the Big Nine. Big Nine Questions. You get to ask me nine questions based on the nine episodes of Ooh. Star Wars. And that's it. That's the, that is the similarity. I was just I had I needed a number, so I went with nine. Nine episodes. Voila. Um, uh, mate, you can ask me nine questions and you only okay. have nine questions to guess who I am. Cool. So I've got. Oh, I see. So are you? Are you a character from one of the nine episodes? That. It, it, uh, <laughs> That's a good question. Is that your so, first? Is that your first question? Is uh, what I was going to ask. Yes, actually, yeah. It's yeah. It's my first question. Is are you a character from one episode or multiple? No. Ooh. <laughs> <laughs> are you Luke Bly? No. <laughs> so I've got to guess who you are. That's two, by the way. <laughs> Damn it. So I've got to guess who you are in Star Wars canon. Based on... Uh, oh. I, well, I, is that a question? So what are the rules? <laughs> <laughs> there are no rules. No, basically... Um, You've got nine questions. Yeah, you've asked two. You've got se- you've got seven left. So you you have to be careful about what you ask me. Uh, you asked, is it is is it canon? It's, mm-hmm. Do you want that to be a question? Yeah. Okay. No, it's not. It's not. That's your third question. Hmm. So it's not in any of the films, and it's not canon. <laughs> <laughs> Who am I? Are you a human or an alien? Uh, alien. That's your fourth question. Right, so it's an alien who's not in any of the films. Um, <laughs> or in canon. Nah. <laughs> um, so good. So good. So it's an alien. Yep. Can I ask another question? <laughs> <laughs> do, I actually, do I know who it is? Yeah. Right, I do. That's another question, isn't it? Yeah. Uh, so no. it's Star Wars related. It's a, it's a it's not in canon and it's an alien. <laughs> Are they goodies or baddies? Um that's mm. <laughs> mm, <sighs> I feel like I'm not gonna give you that question because it's the answer isn't quite solid enough. Ooh. Um but he's probably neither. But I'd imagine he's he's a goodie. Well, now I know it's a he without even asking. So that's handy. Oh, damn. <laughs> so so I'm he assuming it is. He is an alien. Who's not ET? Um, no. I don't know why I said that. So that's that's your that's your fifth that's your fifth question. Right. So okay. So he is a alien who's not in the Star Wars canon or in any of the films. <laughs> Why do I feel like I'm missing something massive here? <laughs> but, okay, here's a tip. I'll give you a tip. It is yeah. Star Wars. Like, okay. You don't need to guess that E.T. or anything like that. It he is Star, Star Wars. Wars though. Um, okay. Is, it's Star Wars. Are we talking... Are we talking... Uh, <laughs> Disney sort of era or pre-Disney era? Is that, is that a question that it I need is, to answer? Yeah, yeah. It is, yeah. It's prequel era. So he's a prequel era alien. That's your sixth question. That was that was you. You got two left. Gotcha. Right. So he's a prequel era alien. Who is a he? Who wasn't in any of the films? (laughs) (laughs) Uh, Martha Lump. Yay! (laughs) Yay! 
<laughs> yeah. yeah, I could. Is the way you're laughing? I like. Marf lamp is my final answer. Marf lamp is Marf lamp from the Pepsi slash Mountain Dew adverts, mate. <laughs> yeah, but a lad. That's, oh man, I want him to be canon though. He is in our hearts. Do you reckon he's on Wikipedia? Oh mate, he's got to be, isn't he? If shall I just Google Martha Lump? Because I found him on YouTube. Martha Lump. Got to be oh on my w- days. He's on Wikipedia. Is he? He's on there, mate. He's on. He's got a Wikipedia page. I've got to check this bad boy out after we finished. Hang on. Oh my days. Martha Lump was a four-armed alien male who was adopted by a human family who lived in Iowa on the planet Earth. He loved Star Wars and soda and the soda Pepsi. Marflump had yellow eyes and mottled purple skin, and he stood at a height of four feet. He wore a sh- he wore a white shirt with Star Wars printed on it. That's really oh days. detailed. That is really. I mean, yeah. He's there we go, mate. Tall. There we go, people. Marflump, don't say, don't say we don't entertain you. No, we've got a Chris Packett and Martha Lump. Canon character spotlight kind of came back for one week there, just better. Yeah, basically. <laughs> nice one, mate. So I got it in seven questions. Did any of you get Martha Lump? Did, was I made to look really stupid? Let us know. Next week, it was my game, so I better get thinking of something uh, Martha Lump related. Maybe we can get some Martha Lump merch out there as well. If you want it, I want it. I'm going to wear it. Um, but sadly, oh. when with the game, with the end of the game, comes the end of the show. But uh, So yeah, that is that for this episode of Star Wars Sessions, episode 55. But the fun doesn't end there. No one's ever really gone. Where can the world find us? Master Blywalker. They can find us at starwarsessions.co.uk on the interwebs. On Twitter, they can slide... Oh, no, no, no. You can see where the intro, the outro's all different. We've started with the website, and I'm, been I'm thinking the next bit's the Instagram, but it's not. It's down to Twitter. Let me start again, guys. Keep it in. Keep it in for the bants. <clears throat> you can find us at starwarsessions.co.uk, our swanky new website. On Twitter, you can find us at Star Wars Session with no S at the end. That's at Star Wars Session on twin- Twitter. <clears throat> Damn it. Um, <clears throat> right, okay, carry on. Yeah, it's not. Keep it's not my it's not my day. They can slide into our galactic DMs on Instagram at Star Wars Sessions. That's at Star Wars Sessions on Instagram. Or feel free to drop us a cheeky voice note or message to our email address, sws at whatawatchtonight.co.uk. That's sws at whatawatchtonight.co.uk. And if you want to support the show further, please consider checking out our Patreon at patreon.com forward slash Star Wars Sessions. Yes, well done, mate. We got there in the end. That's why we are professionals. That's why we are probably Britain's greatest Star Wars podcast. Probably. Also, the reason is because we're on Anchor FM. We're on Spotify, Apple Podcasts, Stitcher, TuneIn. Everywhere in the galaxy you can find a podcast. You know what? You are going to find us there. And if you love our show, which we hope you do, please consider leaving us a good review on your podcast provider of choice. And head over to Podchaser. It's the IMDB for podcasts. It's awesome. Uh, drop us a review on there if you have time as well. It helps us more than you know. And again, as we always say, we love hearing from you guys. So thank you. And please tell all your Star Wars friends about us. Tell your mum, tell your dad, tell your mates. Ring up and tell Martha Lump. Tell your cats, tell your Ewok, tell your cousin. The more, the merrier. The Kessel Spicier, Dab. 
pew, tell Rick McCallum as well. Tell him this is the podcast you're looking for. So, sadly, until next time from me, is see ya. And from Luke, may the force be with you always. <laughs> They are Essex-based podcast heroes. may have gone too far in a few places. Tell that to Country Club.